welcome to another season of the Love of Dirt podcast. Well, what a crazy start to the year it has been already. We here in Australia have suffered terribly from bushfires at the beginning of the year. Uh, We saw devastating loss of our natural habitat and wildlife. And now we are currently in isolation due to a worldwide pandemic. So here at Love Adult, we've seen a huge increase in people wanting to go back to basics, uh, wanting to get a little bit of self-reliance back, um, which is amazing. Uh, We first saw people panic buying toilet paper, and now that has extended to seeds. Um, My online shop has been cleared out, and um, other seed suppliers that I know of have closed closed up until spring, so (laughs) until September. So a few things um, will be different for this season of the podcast. For one, I will only be publishing once a month instead of weekly. Um, Now the kids are at home all the time, as well as my husband. It's a little bit tricky to record um, regular podcasts without constantly having noise interruptions. So um, that's one reason. The other reason is the formats are going to be a bit longer this year as I'm interviewing um, some amazing people. Um, And in addition to that, I'm also going to be pouring some energy into a new YouTube channel. So I can't wait to share that with you guys. So let's jump into this first episode for 2020. Today, I will be speaking to the lovely Heidi Marika, who is an experienced naturopath and medical herbalist based on the Sunshine Coast. She's also author of a beautiful book called Wildcraft that you should definitely check out. In today's chat, we talk about all the ways to start boosting your immunity in these crazy times, so it's well worth a listen. I hope you guys enjoy. Heidi, I've got today um, to speak all things um, herbal medicine, naturopathy. Um, So Heidi is an experienced naturopath and medical herbalist with a passion for wild medicinal and nutritional plants. So currently based on the Sunshine Coast, Heidi regularly runs classes and workshops on um, herbal medicine and plant-based nutrition. So thank you so much for joining. It's been one of the topics that has been most asked about in my community. Um, Everyone's sort of getting a handle on growing their own food, but now it's the next step, medicinal and other purposes. So making sure that there's multi-purposes for the plants that you grow. So thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Uh, So just to sort of get a bit of a a feel of your journey, I'd love to know how that you um, ended up coming down this path and how you got started. Yeah, well, it's it's been kind of a lifelong journey, really. Uh, It started in my childhood. My mother was studying botany at the University of Tasmania. We grew up in Tasmania. Um, and she would often take us, she was, you know, a hippie and a gypsy and we were always travelling and moving and she would take us into the wilderness for quite extended periods quite often. Wow. And uh, because she'd done this bit of study of botany, she had a, an idea of some of the plants that you could use for either food or medicine. So she would be showing us when we were on our trips into the wilderness 
uh, what we could use. And she said, oh, we can eat this and, you know, we collect thistles or, um, you know, elderberries or different things and we'd boil them up and, and you know, eat them as part of what, you know, dandelion, lots of dandelion greens and things like that. So from a really young age, uh, I had this knowledge that you could eat the foods that were growing wild in the bush. And her idea of camping too wasn't like go to a campground um, or a caravan park. Her, she, we didn't even have a car for um, most of my childhood. So what she would do is she would find a place on the map where a river intersected with a road and then we would hitchhike to that spot on the map and then get out and then we would walk up the river sometimes for a day or two um, until we found a spot that was literally in the middle of nowhere and then we would just set up camp there and, and How be there. How awesome was that childhood? It <laughs> sounds amazing. Yeah, you know, it had a pros and cons. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was very chaotic and very challenging and you know there was all sorts of um you know challenges to it as well but there were these moments um where we were just in the bush and it was just me and my mom and my sister and um where you would just really sink in to yeah. to environment you'd be getting up with the sun and going to bed with the sun and you'd be um drinking fresh water and eating you know mostly whole fresh foods and you would just completely relax your nervous system would completely relax and from that I had this sort of cellular memory or this deep um, visceral knowing of what it feels like to be healthy what it feels like to be in harmony with nature what the nervous system feels like how regular the digestion and the bowels and these things all regulate themselves when when you live like that and of course as soon as you come back to civilization uh, it starts getting interfered with just putting on the electric lights at night immediately you start interfering with that process uh, and then you pile on all the stresses of, of work and um, you know family life and social life and it just you know it's just stacks on and so yeah so I always had this sense of that from from a really young age and then when I was uh, when I was just turned 13 I was with a, a group of neighborhood kids and uh, we were in the basement of one of their houses and we were um you know smoking cigarettes you know <laughs> just to try that out and uh we didn't realize there was an open drum of petrol in in that basement and the whole thing just you know someone lit up a lighter right near it and the whole thing just exploded into and because it was enclosed under the house it was an enclosed space so it was just like this big fireball and um there was there was a few of us there but there was me and, and two other boys who were really standing in the wrong spot and really copped that um so i was in hospital for about three months with extensive burns and then another sort of you know six months of going back and forth for some big, you know sort of experience as well and then after that my mother took me to see a naturopath um in hobart and you know to help me with that healing process and yep. so i learned a lot from her 
um, in terms of using herbs and vitamins uh, mm -hmm. for healing and health. And um, a lot of, you know, she did a lot of sort of um, spiritual and then personal growth stuff with me around that as well. So, and it, it's, she sort of almost um, introduced me to this concept of naturopathy as a career as well. So yeah. when I left uh, high school and I was thinking, what am I going to do with my life? I, you know, because of my experiences working with her on and off through my teens, um, I decided that I wanted to go and study naturopathy. Yep. So then I went to Melbourne um, to the Southern School of Natural Therapies in, in Fitzroy there and did uh, four years of uh, Bachelor of Health Science studying naturopathy. And so I, I went out and I, I was practising that um, for several years. And, um, but it was, it was weird. Like I'd had this idea in my head about what... What, that, what, what it meant to be a naturopath. And to me, it always had this sort of element of magic, I guess you would call like yeah. some spiritual uh, quality to, to the work. And the time that I went into studying naturopathy, we had just gone from a diploma to a bachelor degree. And in order to do that, everything had to be evidence-based. Mm. And so the paradigm of um, naturopathy at that time really shifted from this folk herbalism, this real home herbalism yep. to a very rigorous academic and scientific uh, model yep. which is the model that is taught in university today and that folk herbalist side of things sort of almost got pushed to the background a bit as not uh, not really passing muster and and not being sort of um, scientific enough to, yep. to be much so it sort of it was this real um, paradigm shift and and so I kept trying to, you know, I kept practicing. I did my degree and went into practice and it was all, you know, research and journal articles and yeah. most of our training was coming from the, the manufacturing companies who were manufacturing the, right. the tinctures and the supplements. <laughs> yep. And it was all very clinical and it was all about, uh, you know, buying, um, a, a, you know, breaking down a plant into its constituent, then finding the company who has the highest constituent in their product, right. and then using that product because of the concentration of that constituent. And it's a very pharmaceutical model. Mm. Uh, and so for years, I sort of was in this model, and it always just felt a bit off kilter to me. And then I met this woman who had really advanced breast cancer. She had a, a tumour um, coming out of her breast about as big as a football. Wow. It was massive and it was kind of uh, terrifying, really. And she was refusing treatment. Like, she was refusing um, medical treatment. She was refusing even, you know, herbal and, and nutritional therapy treatment she said i don't want to use anything except um meditation and the herbs the plants that are growing in my backyard essentially yeah and so she, she invited me to come over and tell her what she could use in her backyard yeah and you know i 
knew about three plants in her backyard, even though I'd done a four-year Bachelor of Science degree in naturopathy, I'd probably been practicing as a naturopath for maybe 10 years by then. You know, I still, by sight, in a backyard, only knew this handful of plants. Uh, and I was like, you know, it was a real light bulb moment for me. So I took all these plants that were in her yard and got them properly identified at, you know, garden centres and, and nurseries and so forth. And I started researching them. And it was sort of like the beginning of what, you know, has gone on to become my work and what I teach and, and um, you know, what I wrote the, the wildcrafting book on. And uh, But that sort of, she was the catalyst really for that because, you know, I had to find out these plants for her so I could tell her what she could use and how she could safely use them. And, um, yeah, and it just opened up this whole world to me that I was like, this is the thing, this is why I studied this um, for this reason. And then not long after that, I moved from Melbourne up to the Sunshine Coast. And when I came up here, I started running my first wild crafting course where I was taking people out into nature, into the bush, and we were just foraging and collecting plants out there and, you know, literally sitting people on mats in the middle of a forest and teaching them herbal medicine from the plants that were sitting around them as we were speaking. And it was the first time that I'd felt in my body that sensation that I'd had in my childhood from when we'd been out in the bush camping. And it was like this... Um, resonance I guess I was like ah this this is what it's meant to feel like like this is how it's meant to feel in your body uh when it's right you know when what you're doing is right when you're on track when you're aligned with purpose and aligned with nature it just gave me goosebumps (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's kind of it's just gone full circle for you like yeah totally yeah and it was this real visceral thing it's not a conceptual thing it's actually something that's quite um physically felt so then I was like okay this is it this is my this is my work and so everything um really since then has has been born out of out of that and my courses and and the books and the work that I do and bringing that more and more into my clinical work yeah um as well wow That's an amazing story. I love that. <laughs> I don't know where to go from that. No. Um, yeah, it's, it is, it's just interesting how um, I was just talking to um, another lady and how that connection when you're a child as well ends up being a really huge part of what you are supposed to end up doing. Um, and it's just, it's just totally all those sort of dots are connecting. It's like, yes, growing up, like, this is what we always did. This is what felt really good. And then somehow we've just ended back there <laughs> or yeah. we've found our path back to that, um, that feeling that we had when we were a child. So it's really, yeah. really, really cool to hear that story. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you, um, probably the question on most people's mouths <laughs> at the moment, um, at the moment, there's a pandemic <laughs> worldwide. Um, yeah. And the big question on everyone's mouths as the shops are fully depleted from um, 
most of the usual things that we had for when it, in terms of building our immunity um, and things like that. So I want to ask you, what are some of the tips that you can give um, us of what we can um, grow, what we can um, do to make sure that we're in the best position for keeping our health right at this current time? I know that that's a huge question, <laughs> but I guess break it down a little bit for us. Yes. Well, there's, yeah, and we, we could talk, uh, for hours and hours on this, so I'll try and narrow it down a little bit. Uh, for a start, what, just just nutritionally and in terms of um, vitamins and um, medicinal compounds, wild foods tend to, which is just stuff, your weeds basically, the stuff that grows uncultivated in the garden, tends to be anywhere between four to 10 times more potent wow. than stuff being cultivated. So even just incorporating a handful of wild plants into your diet, so that could be really simple things like dandelion, um, chickweed. Here on the Sunshine Coast where I am, we have heaps of farmer's friends or cobbler's yeah, cakes. I only just learned a couple of weeks ago that they're edible. <laughs> They're incredibly high in protein um, and they are phenomenally um, anti-inflammatory. Wow. They protect against seven different kinds of cancers that we know about. So huge sort of anti-cancer properties, anti-diabetic, blood sugar regulating, um, but powerful anti-inflammatories and one of the highest protein contents, wow. um, you know, it's, it's just off the charts, the protein content in the cobbler's pegs. Um, same with the um, chickweed, which is just now that we're getting into the cooler months, the chickweed is just starting to come back. This is a plant that's really high in vitamin C. Yep. So the sailors used to use chickweed when they would come back to shore to treat scurvy, um, which is a deficiency of vitamin C. So in terms of boosting immunity, uh, your chickweed is something that's really, um, really good for doing that. Dandelion, incredibly rich in minerals. Um, the leaf is really supportive to the kidney. The root really supportive to the liver. So, um, and seaweeds is another one. Um, I feel like everyone should try and incorporate three to four um, garden weeds and one seaweed. Um, and what I recommend is just drying them and putting them in a coffee grinder and, you know, blitzing them into like a coarse meal or a powder and then just putting a spoon into, you know, a smoothie or a juice daily and then just taking, you know, a teaspoon so oh, of that wow. out of mix and you'll just get such a powerful, um, you know, boost of minerals, vitamins, immune modulators, um, purslane is another excellent one that grows really commonly in so many people's gardens. One of the highest plant sources of omega-3 fatty acids. Seaweed wow. um, has all your iodine and all your minerals. Uh, so, you know, incredible for thyroid and, and endocrine health. Um, but it also um, contains a, a substance called fucalin, which is, again, a really potent um, immune modulator and anti-cancer, anti-diabetic sort of compound. So, 
you know, putting one sea vegetable. I, I order mine from Tasmania, actually, the um, Tasmanian Gourmet Kombu, yeah. um, and get that sent up and, and I put that in, in my powder. But so just generally incorporating some of those wild plants that just have that really high level of nutrition. Um, then there's, you know, common garden antivirals and these, you know, St. John's wort is one. It's not so much a garden plant, but in some parts of Australia, it does run wild. Yeah. Um, you do have to be really careful with that one because it interacts with so many medications. Yeah. So if you're basically on any form of medication, you, you do have, yeah, you need yeah. to use that one with a lot of caution or get some advice before you use it. Yeah. A really simple, a couple of really simple antivirals that um, are in the garden of a lot of people. One is lemon balm or Melissa. Yeah. Yep. So Melissa, Melissa's a, a really gentle really easy to grow um, antiviral plant. And we have no one has said conclusively um, that any herb that I am aware of at this stage has been tested on coronavirus. Yeah. So everyone's just sort of guessing. Yeah. yeah, just guessing based on, mm. you know, well, this is shown to have some antiviral qualities in the past so maybe we could try this so it's still a real um period of trial and error yeah so you know um the lemon balm the other one is elder i know that elder is almost globally out of stock at the moment no, i've seen that yeah <laughs> uh, so elder you know everyone's gobbling up the elder because again it does have that um, strong history as an antiviral mm -hmm. if you do have one in your backyard then you know making elderberry syrup or elderflower um, syrup or even um, Stephen Bonner an amazing herbalist in, in America has recommended using the dried leaves of the elderberry oh, wow. um, although that is associated with nausea in some people so I would if you're going to try that start slow um, and just see how well you tolerate it. But he's, he's suggesting that the dried leaf might be more effective than the berries. Yep. Uh, certainly the berries, um, making some simple elderberry syrup um, is, is a great thing that you can do. Even common garden chickweed, your Stellaria media, has got um, an antiviral aspect to it. It's not one that you think of as an antiviral, even among herbalists, but it does have an antiviral component. And it's, as I mentioned before, incredibly high in vitamin C. So I, that is one that I would be including in my diet. Um, it's not quite here yet, so I can't get into it. <laughs> That's the problem. These things aren't in but season. But hanging out for it as soon as it's that's popping up, that's one that I'll be feasting on on yep. daily. So the, the lemon balm, the elder and the chickweed as much as possible. And then um, in terms of your antivirals, I mean antibacterials, things like, um, you know, common garden plants, sage and thyme, thyme in particular, because it really has that affinity for the lung and protecting the lung. The other one that... Um, would be fantastic is um, ribwort, the ribwort plantain. Oh, yeah. Um, well, yeah, the long leaf. Mm -hmm. the, um, it's good for insect bites too. Sorry? 
good for insect yeah. bites as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. It is. And um, so that's, you know, but that is a really amazing mucous membrane tonic. And so that will actually be toning up the tissues of your mucous membranes and making them stronger and more resilient to infection. Elder will do the same thing. Uh, so doing some of those things, the thyme, the lemon balm, the elder, um, you know, of course, echinacea and calendula for supporting the lymphatic system. Yeah. Uh, Can you use the leaves of the echinacea? Or is you, that all the flowers and the root? Yeah, of the um, echinacea purpurea, you can use the, all the aerial parts. Yep. So anything above ground you can. Yep. Um, the angustifolia is mainly the root. Okay, yeah, I think that's yeah, the one I have. Depends on the, on the species, yep. but yeah, you can, yeah. So, um, yeah, the calendula and then the echinacea just all round immune and lymphatic support. If... And that's stuff that I would, you know, vitamin A, C, E and zinc. So, yeah. I mean, sort of even just going to, you know, I know everyone's running out, but they're, yeah. they're in terms of nutrition. Um, vitamin A, if you want to use a plant source instead of a supplement, chicory is one of your um, oh. best plant sources of vitamin A. So, really? if it, vitamin A is run out in the shops, and you want to make a, um, you know, your chicory and your chickweed, mm -hmm. um, got your vitamin A and your vitamin C in, in high doses there. Um, and zinc, you know, zinc is your other main immune nutrient. But again, if that's all sold out in your health food stock, I'd be looking at pumpkin seeds or pepitas, oh, yes. which is a really good plant. So you can even make a, like a milk, like a nut milk out of the, the oh, pumpkin oh. seeds. Nice. Can, you know, yeah, get sort of a concentrated dose of them and just activate them overnight by sitting them in water on the bench and then just discard that water and put fresh water in. It's about one cup of seeds to two, um, three cups of water and then just blend it and, and strain it. Nice. And, and so, um, you know, your ACE and zinc, if you do get the coronavirus, then the protocol gets um, a little bit, more focused on lungs mm -hmm. so um, you really want to target things like hyssop elecampane pleurisy root angelica root yeah. um, you know some of these things that are really more specific to, to your lung grindelia um, euphorbia some of these plants that um, really target that that lung um, and you know preventing you from getting that severe pneumonia which is of course the the risk in, in the coronavirus um, particularly for the elderly the other thing that you can do is um, it is a heat sensitive virus so using warming um, warming foods I've actually bought a bit of a show and tell here this is um, a fire cider that yes. I've made <laughs> I've seen so many people I've never tried it but I've seen so many people making it and my turmeric mm. is going nuts at the moment. I'm like, mm. yeah. So garlic, horseradish, turmeric, um, orange peel, like orange, a whole orange, hot lemons, chili, ginger, and it's all sitting in apple cider vinegar. So 
How long do you and need that for? That is honey to it, but when it's finished, if you want, you can add you can add honey to that. So fire cider because it's got all those warming sort of circulatory herbs. It won't actually increase your body temperature. Um, because that's sort of not how it works physiologically, but it will just warm up the system. And the coronavirus, as all sort of flu viruses and pneumonia viruses are, relate often to, to um, dampness in the body, um, sort of an energetic perspective. And this will keep your circulation um, really high to prevent that sort of blood stagnation occurring. So even um, doing like your chai spices, so you cinnamon and ginger and cardamom, um, a pinch of chilli. So making a chai and drinking lots of chai throughout the day is another really effective way um, to, <coughs> to mitigate that. But even just drinking any hot liquid yep. will... Um, because if you've just got like a hot cup of tea... Well, I've got tickle in my throat now. <laughs> hot cup of tea beside you while you're working or throughout the day and sipping on that and keeping that as hot as possible. If you get the virus lands in your throat or in your um, respiratory tract, if you sip on some hot tea and it just connects with it straight away, it's going to, you know, destroy that virus if it's above 27 degrees, if the tea's above 27 degrees. Um, I, I always crave hot tea when, I'm, when I've got the, a, a virus. But that's yeah. Probably <laughs> and the other thing that it will do is wash it down through your um, esophagus into your stomach where it's less likely to sit in your respiratory tract um, and it'll be flushed down into your stomach where it'll be neutralised by the hydrochloric acid in your stomach. So keeping your airways really moist and really warm um, is going to, and even just, you know, inhaling the, the steam from your tea, you know, particularly if that tea is like a chai or a ginger and fennel tea or something like that, um, is going to keep your airways moist, keep things flushing through because the body's naturally designed to fight these things. We have all the apparatus. We have the hairs in our nasal passages. We have the hydrochloric acid in our stomach, but it all breaks down if, if things don't pass through properly. So if we're dehydrated, if we're in overly air-conditioned buildings, our risk is, you know, much, much greater. Yeah. So um, the other thing is, you know, if people do get the virus um, and then I talked a bit about, you know, treating the lung when that's going on, but then even coming out of, out of in the infective period is really important as well because most people don't convalesce properly. So giving yourself that extra time to stay home and to convalesce. And there's beautiful, particularly Chinese and Ayurvedic herbs that can be used in convalescence, things like astragalus, codonopsis, withania, tulsi, um, even eating oatmeal. Oatmeal is a, you know, oats, just oats generally is a, a really nourishing convalescent food. Um, having slippery elm powder, if there's a lingering... Um, cough persistent cough you might want to add some wild cherry bark or something like that to your slippery on powder but these things will just nourish us 
um, and help us get back to 100% and stop any sort of relapsing or, or um, post-viral fatigue. That is a really common problem now. People get the virus, they clear the virus, but then they have this almost like chronic fatigue that can go on for months. And so yeah. we want to nip that stuff in the bud as well. So. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for all of that. that but, is you know, that's the obvious things, of course, are the hygiene, like, yeah. you know, washing your hands, yeah, yeah. <laughs> surfaces, your mask. These things can't be, they really are the most important thing, like yeah. more important than any of the medications or any of the plants is just to do that basic um, hygiene stuff that can't be yeah. yeah, no, my husband um, is a scientist and if my kids are, my kids are only two and nearly four. Um, and he did this experiment last night with a, a bowl of water and he cracked some pepper in it and he got them yeah. to put the soap on their hands and put their hands in the water and the pepper just went like away from their hands. He's like, this is what germs do when you've got, when you've got soap on your hands. So you've got to make sure that you get them off. I thought, I, he's like, have you seen that experiment before? I'm like, nope, never seen that. <laughs> so. So good, is they got it? They understood, and so now that they're really making sure that they wash their hands, because kids are the worst. Yeah, so. totally, totally. Yeah. So yeah, that's all. That's all really important, and of course, just containment. Like, just stay, stay home. And it's it's an interesting time because you know, for 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 so long, you know, everyone I speak to and everyone that comes into my clinic is just so burnt out and exhausted and adrenally depleted. And it's almost like um, as a <laughs> as a global community, we've been given this sort of free pass to just get a bit of extra rest and to just, you know, slow down and to step back. And, you know, the worst thing we can do for our immune system is, is be stressed. So one of the biggest things we can do right now is just chill out and relax and, you know, take a bit of extra time out. Um, yeah, kind of like a forced holiday for all of us. But exactly. Perfect. <laughs> Yeah, that Italy, the government in Italy was um, suspending people's mortgage payments so that they could stay mm. home, yeah. not run the risk of losing their homes. So yeah, I guess know, that's, that's where the panic is, isn't it? It's that losing the livelihood. Um, exactly, exactly. So that was such a beautiful thing of, of that government to, to do and to just yeah. really allow people to rest without the, you know, without the stress of risking their homes and their livelihoods. So yeah. that, that's real rest and they can actually really recover. Yeah, yeah. that's what we need. Like, otherwise it's yeah. just going to keep going and it it's probably is going to eventually go through yeah. everyone. But, like, it's, yeah getting that recovery up is probably more important as well yeah in terms of um wild plants like i know we have like we we've spoken about a lot of the european herbal medicines um herbal remedies and things like that but is there some like australian ones that you, you sort of yeah. uh, that are right under our noses or is it more sort of the plants that have become naturalized from the northern hemisphere that we know more about at the moment yeah I think there's like it's it's mind-boggling how many Australian plants are here that have really potent medicinal uses, and um, you know the research is just starting to tap into it. 
um, Jenny Brand Miller. She wrote the, um, her famous book was um, like the blood sugar, the GI, you know, yep. the whole GI movement, low GI glycemic index stuff. But she actually did a paper on Australian bush foods that yep. was really, um, really fantastic. And of course, Tim Lowe has written the. Yep. Um, up on the shelf what's his one called wild uh, wild food plants of australia yep. um this is a brilliant one by tim lowe so there are some really good um books on that topic but ones that i've sort of integrated and started using and i'd like to learn much more i feel like i'm still at the beginning of my journey but ones that i am currently using is things like lemon myrtle yeah. Uh, lemon myrtle is, I've got the tree in my backyard. And so I've made that into a tincture, which I don't even know if, if that is actually safe as a tincture or not. But I just thought I'd have a crack at it. <laughs> and I just gave it to a few close friends to use as guinea pigs and yep. um, had some quite strong reactions. It's, it's an incredibly potent antimicrobial and actually sitting sitting beside me um this comes back to the whole coronavirus thing just the other day i made this which is a hand sanitizer yep. and it's got lemon myrtle um tea tree which yep. is another amazing australian one that we're probably all familiar with um a bit of clove we've got aloe vera from the garden and then just ethanol pure ethanol and um a bit of um a bit of water so that that's my homemade hand sanitizer so i'm using tea tree and lemon myrtle both australian plants there um as my my hand sanitizer because lemon myrtle you know it's being used a lot now as a preservative for foods and cosmetics because it, it just extends shelf life massively because of how strongly antimicrobial it is and it's an incredible surface sanitizer you know we're, we're hearing constantly about how we have to wipe down surface surfaces so lemon myrtle is a really good surface spray as well so even making up a strong infusion um, or a few drops of essential oil um, and, you know, sanitising your surfaces with, with lemon myrtle and tea yep. tree. We've got those two powerful, powerful plants that we can use for that. I also make an infusion of lemon myrtle as like a mouthwash oh. because, again, it's such an effective antimicrobial that as a mouthwash it will prevent the plaque and the dental cavities forming from the bacteria in the mouth. So it's a really I nice mouthwash. <laughs> yeah. So lemon myrtle and, and tea tree, um, you know, potent antifungals as well. You can use them any kind of fungal skin infection, um, tea tree, I make pessaries for thrush as well, mm. um, just using cocoa butter and a little, you know, the yep. water bottle ice trays. And um, Gumby Gumby is another one that I've been using a bit of, um, which is an amazing anti-cancer immune modulator, um, you know, fantastic plant for, uh, you know, anything to do with the immune system. Uh, and the other one that um, that I've been using a bit lately too is the um, old man saltbush. Yep. So saltbush is uh, such a mineral-rich plant, and I think that 
you know, there's so such a little bit of information on it, but I, I just feel like it's implication for, um, you know, thyroid conditions and um, chronic fatigue type pictures and adrenal exhaustion. I feel like um, salt bushes is a plant like that would be really worth investing time and energy into yeah. and really and it's one of those plants that just grows where nothing else will grow too. So it kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier. It's like the things that are thriving in your area are the best. And, yes, absolutely. And I feel like it's one before when I was saying include a seaweed in if you're going to make like a, a green powder, include a seaweed. If you, if you yeah. don't have a seaweed, put saltbush in there yeah. um, and it we do a, a really similar job as the as the seaweed. So we're gonna have to um, get going. <laughs> yes. So we've got I mean there's five we could go on and on and on, but um you know there there is there's so much and, and so many uh, you know grasses and mm. there's so many like it's yeah, infinite. It's like you're yeah. a can of worms and you yeah we could just be talking about this all day all of the amazing yeah. And I think every plant, like no matter what plant you, you you went and picked, if you took it to a lab and started researching it, mm. you would inevitably find some like a plethora of, of amazing uses for it. Yeah. You know, if you put any plant in the world and started mixing them with, you know, cancers and diabetes and viruses and bacteria, you know, it would be only a matter of time until you came back and said, well, we can use it for this, this, this and this. Like, yeah. it's just, we don't know. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? It's, yeah. yeah. You'll do all right without us, I think. I like, you should be right. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, I'm going to wrap it up there. I've taken too much of your time already. So thank you so much for joining me. Um, and yeah, I, I'm going to go and get my immunity boosted up. <laughs> um, yeah. So thanks again. Um, if you want to tell us where people can find you, if they want to look you up and do some of your amazing looking courses. Yeah, so I'm, I'm just... <laughs> at Heidi Marika, H-E-I-D-I-M-E-R-I-K-A dot com dot A-U. And I've got um, my naturopathic consults are on there and my courses, both in-person courses, um, community talks and online courses. And um, if you're interested in the wild plants, my new book, um, Wildcraft, the Science and Spirit of Wild Plants as Food and Medicine, um, which is a fully illustrated um, coloured picture book that has 33 different plants in it, including all the nutritional use, medicinal use, folk medicine, plant spirit medicine, and all the current available research is all in that um, for all the different plants as well, as well as a detailed ID um, guide so you can properly ID them all as well. As having Sounds like so a that's, resource. I've been yeah. looking, I'm going to have to just buy it online. <laughs> I've been looking everywhere for this book, so I will... Um, oh, have you? Oh, uh, yeah, it's, I'm sort of slowly getting it out. Harry Hartog, if you're in New South Wales, Harry Hartog has just bought it for all their stores. Yep. Um, it's mainly in Queensland at the moment. But um, I can send you a copy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. All right. Thank
thanks so much for your time and I will um yeah hopefully speak to you again soon hopefully I can come up and do that course of yours so. yeah <laughs> really look forward to that <laughs> all, right. all right thank you so much Nikki for this wonderful opportunity and yeah for opening up this amazing world of plants that yeah. you're sharing with all I'm so grateful I hope you enjoyed that chat with Heidi as much as I did. If you're a don't lover, you can actually watch that entire interview in the membership portal. Uh, we also talk a little bit more about setting up your own medicinal garden in that um, full interview. So if you're not a don't lover, you can head to my website and register your interest um, for when we are open next. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed and we'll speak to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Love of Dirt podcast. If you love this episode, please leave a review to subscribe, check out other episodes or grab some of my free food growing resources. Head on over to loveofdirt.com.au forward slash podcast.